service next week. Next week. Wait, I hear something coming from the back. So, hey, uh, welcome, man. If it's your first time with us on a Sunday, welcome, welcome. If it's your first time in a long time, welcome. Everybody watching online, uh, welcome. We, we have the post-Easter blues. That's where everybody last week came and found where they left their hat the year before. <laughs> Some of y'all will get that. Some of y'all get it. <laughs> so, but uh, man, welcome, welcome. Uh, today we're kicking off a new series. Justin, good to see you, man. Uh, a new series called Questions. Questions. Because whether we vocalize these questions or not, these are questions we ask. These are questions that run through our heads. So to kick off the, this series, let's, let's do something. I grew up hearing this. Uh, if you're from a Pentecostal background, you'll know what to do. If you're from this church, you'll know what to do. The moment I say these first words, it's like instinct just kicks in. You, it's like you can't help yourself. You, you, you're just going to, let's try this. Y'all ready? God is good. All the time. See, it's just instinct, instinct. All the time? Oh, it feels so good. We feel like, man, we've done, we've done something. We say that. I mean, we've been doing that ever since I can remember. Anybody else? So, so let's try it one more time. This time, settle it with a little more enthusiasm, like you believe it to be true. God is good. And all the time. Now, let me ask you a question. Have you ever doubted that God is good all the time? And that all the time, God is good. Have you ever, uh, ever doubted the goodness of God with PK? Not, not, never, never. Listen, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take your mask off and, and be real with yourself, be real with God, and answer the question, have you ever had doubts? Have you ever doubted God that God is good all the time? Like, well, what do you mean? Like, like when you got that doctor's report? that said the cancer was back. Uh, like when your marriage falls apart. Uh, well, when your kid is popping pills and, just, and stealing from you and everybody else to afford the habit. Uh, when, when, when that person that you prayed for died. When the money didn't come in that you needed to pay the bills. Have you ever doubted God is good all the time? Let's be honest, man. Maybe you've asked some questions like this. God, why won't you take away this depression? God, why won't you take away these migraines? God, why won't you heal this, whatever's going on in my body? God, God, why won't you take away this addiction, this lust for these pills or this drink or whatever that I have? Why won't you take that away? God, why won't you fix this? Or it was something like, God, I'm trying to do what's right. I'm trying to be a better person. I go to church, I read my Bible, I try to pray, but I just thought at this point in my life, I'd be happier and things would be different. God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. Maybe your wives are a little more global. Like, God, why is this going on in Ukraine? Or God, why? The, the sex trafficking. I mean, listen, I don't know if you're aware, we live two and a half to three hours from the biggest sex trafficking hub in the United States, Atlanta. God, why, why are you allowing this? 
God, why are you allowing these school shootings at school? Uh, why, why are you allowing all the violence that takes place? And I could go on and on and on. But here's the thing. If you've ever asked any of those questions, this series is for you. We're going to look at some of those questions over the next few weeks, and I'm going to be very upfront and honest with you and tell you I'm not going to give you, be able to give you a clear and concise answer to all these questions because there are some things we will never know the why to. Are you with me? Well, PK, then why are you talking about it then? Because I believe the church has spent way too long answering questions that nobody's asking. And it's time we start trying to answer or at least wrestle with things that people are actually asking, things people are actually dealing with. Why did God allow this to happen? And that is the question we're going to wrestle with today. It's a tough one. It's a tough one, but it's, it's been going on a while. 300 years before the birth of Jesus, there was a Greek philosopher named Epicurus who had the conclusions, had come to these conclusions about the nature of God when it comes to God and the evil in the world. And he, he had these two statements and then a question. The first statement with this was this, if God is not able to prevent evil, if he can't stop bad things from happening, that he must not be all-powerful. The second statement is this. If God is not willing to prevent evil, then he must not be all good. And those statements led him to ask this question. If God is both willing and able to prevent evil, why does evil exist? That's a much deeper way of asking the questions we ask. Why does God allow suffering in our world, in our lives? Why does he allow bad things to happen? Here's what we got to understand when it comes to suffering and evil and the Bible. When you look through the Bible, suffering and evil, they're not contrary to the story of the Bible. They're actually central to the story of the Bible, suffering and evil. Because, see, becoming a Christian, I know we, when I grew up, uh, maybe some of you grew up with this. It's not so much now, but we would tell people, get saved, and it'll change everything. Everything will be better. Everything will be easier for you. Uh, the old, and if that were true, you know, the old has become new. Well, then why the bald guy growing hair? Amen. Amen. Why are these fat cells not dying? Come on, there we go. Hallelujah. Somebody about ran around the church right then. (laughs) But here's what we need to understand. Becoming a Christian doesn't mean you then get to avoid all pain and suffering in this world or even evil. But what becoming a Christian does, it gives some kind of purpose to it. It gives, it gives meaning to it and a solution for us. The Bible gives meaning to it. I could go through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation and show you men and women of God that face pain, they face suffering, they ask questions, they were confused, even angry at God sometimes. And they were very vocal about it. Very vocal. Uh, We could talk about Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. Why is he called the weeping prophet? Because he was constantly crying out to God. God, why are these people doing this? Why will they ever change God? What's going on? We could definitely talk about David. How How does the Bible describe David? A man after God's own heart. 
Yet this man, after God's own heart, this man who was so in love with God, this worshiper, extraordinary, extraordinary, asked God on many occasions, do you even care? God, where are you? Are you listening to me? Am I here? Am I alone in this? We could jump to the New Testament. Talk about guys like John the Baptist, Jesus' own cousin. I'm talking about the guy whose whole purpose in life was to prepare the way for Jesus to come. He made statements about Jesus. Hey, this is the man that I'm not even worthy to lace up his shoes. Yet he found himself in prison, facing execution, and he sends two of his disciples to ask Jesus a question. Go ask Jesus this. Are you the Messiah or do we need to look elsewhere? And then, you know, because Jesus, we look at this story. John, I'm sure, thought this. Jesus, I, I believe he's the Messiah. He could get, he could get John out of prison. There, I mean, on more than one occasion, we see him do, God doing prison breaks. Yet not for John. In fact, John ends up being beheaded. And why? But the guy I want to look at today, you may or may not have heard of this guy. He's an Old Testament prophet by the name of Asaph. Anybody heard of him? Tell you a little, a little bit about Asaph. He was not only a prophet, but he was also a poet. He is, he is credited with writing 12 of the Psalms. And so he was a poet. The Bible calls him this, a leader of the tabernacle choir. Not the Mormon tabernacle choir. But, but never mind. So, <laughs> listen, y'all know me. I'm gonna laugh at my own jokes, whether you laugh at them or not. Uh, so you can either join in on the fun, or you can look at me like I'm crazy, and it won't be the first time. But anyway, he's a worship leader. Asaph is a worship leader. His whole job is to lead people into worship. But in Psalm 73, one of the psalms he writes, Asaph gets very real with what's going on in his life. He gets very real with the struggle, what he's seeing, what he's ex experiencing. Look what he says here in Psalms 73, 1 through 5. Truly, God is good to Israel, to those whose hearts are pure. But as for me, I'm all, I almost lost my footing. Anybody ever been there? Oh, I know God's good to everybody else. But me, I'm about to lose my footing here. My feet were slipping, and I was almost gone. Then look what he, he get. I love the realness of the Bible. I envied the proud when I saw them prosper despite their wickedness. They seem to live such painless lives. Their bodies are so healthy and strong. They don't have any troubles like other people. They're not plagued with problems like everyone else. Can anybody relate to what Asaph's venting here? God, I'm, I'm trying to live right. And I look over here, these people are doing anything but trying to live right. In fact, they're trying to set records on how bad they can live. And here I am, well, what's going on, God? Because their lives seem better than mine. And then we jump down to verse 11. What does God know, they ask? And then Asaph begins to ask his questions. Does the Most High even know what's happening? God, you even know what's going on down here? 
God, are you aware of what, what's happening in this place? Look at these wicked people enjoying a life of ease while their riches multiply. Then he gets even more real with his questions. Did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? The passion reads it like this. Have I been foolish to play by the rules? I mean, as, as long as we're being honest, I'll just tell you that I've been that. I, you know, you look at it, you're like, God, I, have I been ignorant? I've been trying to play by the rules. I've been trying to do the right thing. I've been, and, and I look on TMZ and all these heathens are out there having it made. Come on. Okay, can we get real? And we look and he's like, have I been foolish? Have I lived my whole life for nothing, trying to please you? I mean, Asaph, this worship leader, says, God, what's going on? Where are you in all this? Why are you allowing this to go on? And see, here, before, before we really dig into this, I, I want to challenge you. If you're watching online, if you're here today, I want to challenge you today and throughout the rest of this series. Don't shut me out. Be willing to wrestle with these questions. Be willing to put aside your personal opinions or maybe the way you were taught growing up and wrestle and let's hear what God has to say about this. And not just hear, but can we listen? Can we do that? Well, no, no. Can, can we do that? Because not, I'm just going to go home and eat lunch. I'm... Let's get back to the question. These want to leave with me. He said, what you having? Whatever you're paying for. Let's get back to the question. If God is good all the time, if God is all powerful, why would he allow all the suffering? Why would he let someone innocent of anything? Why would he let someone who, who didn't do anything wrong go through what they went through or go through what they're going through? God, why? The short answer to that is this. We've got to understand the only way that love is possible is that we have a choice to love. Are, are you with me? That, that we get to choose. We have a choice to choose love. In other words, see, God is not a dictator. He didn't want robots. He wanted people to love. And so because of that, he gives us free will. Basically, free will is the, the, the ability to choose. And he gives us that free will. And if you have the ability to choose love, guess what? You have the ability to choose hate. If you have the ability to choose what's right, you also have the ability to choose what is evil and what's wrong in this world. Which brings me to my first point if you're taking notes. If love is a choice, then suffering is a possibility. See, God loves us enough to give us free will. And with that free will, we can choose love, but we can also choose evil, suffering. Well, why, why, Kelly, then would God do that? Because choice is really the only way that love is made possible. God didn't want robots. God wanted us to love him absolutely. But he knows in order to truly experience that love, he's got, we've got to be able to choose to love him. 
Not have a mandate, but choose to love him. We got to say, I I choose to love you. And with that freedom to choose to love, again, comes the freedom to choose to hate. And when we choose sin, guys, when we choose that, that's what leads to the suffering and pain going on in our world. Because someone chose sin. In order for God to remove all suffering in the world, He either has to remove our freedom to choose or he has to remove us. In order for God to remove all the suffering, all the pain in the world, either he has to take away our freedom to choose or remove us. See, my grandkids, Sonny and Juno, they're at the house. Uh, They can one minute... Man, they're, they are best friends. They love each other. I mean, they're smiling. And then something happens, and it's like World War III has broken out between them. And they're going back and forth. They're going back and forth until one of them finally decides, I'm going to tell mama. I'm going to tell daddy. And then, then it's a foot race. Who gets there first to plead their case? <laughs> to tell why I'm right and they're wrong. And they get there and they begin to plead their case to mom and daddy why this one's right, this one's wrong. Let me ask you, what if there were no parents? What if there were no parents to hear down and say, okay, you were right, you were wrong in this, or vice versa? Here's my point. There has to be an authority in place to set the standards that we live by. There has to be an authority there uh, in order to have a standard. If there is no God, then who determined what was good and what was evil? If there is no God, who set the moral code for us? See, uh, the truth is the presence of suffering, the presence of evil, in my opinion, are proof that God does exist. The fact that we believe in evil is proof that God does exist. If we don't believe in God, why would we believe in evil? You know, so it's proof. Some, someone said, well, PK, if someone suffers, that just means God doesn't love them. The presence of suffering is not the evidence of a lack of love. Hey, yeah, do you remember, um, they've already brought up my point. I'll get there in a minute. Do you remember when uh, uh, some of you were here, Denise had to rush me to the ER. It's been a few months back. Didn't know what's going on. All I knew was this pain had hit me. Had no clue what it was. And, man, she jumped in the car, and we are doing 90, passing everybody. Somebody calls the cops on this crazy woman in a white vehicle. Cops pull us over. Denise gets out. She's like, listen, you can give me a ticket when we get to the ER, but that's where I'm going. And we get to the ER, and I'm hurting. I go, I go in there. The ends up, man, the doctors have to do an emergency surgery on me. The very next day, they end up having to do another emergency surgery on me. Can I tell you, those doctors, those surgeons, they hurt me. <laughs> My wife allowed them to hurt me. <laughs> but let me ask you. Her allowing me to face this pain, this hurt, does that mean she didn't love me? Quite the opposite. She allowed the pain because she does love me and because she knew something better was on the other side of the pain. I'm telling you guys, 
The presence of suffering is not evidence of a lack of love. Oftentimes, it's the evidence of real love. Denise and I have raised four kids, and there have been times that we've had to discipline those kids, some more than others. But... <laughs> That's only because she is exactly like her daddy. Just like her daddy. I gave my mom and dad hell growing up. It was terrible. Uh, somebody, well, until Casey. And then they, then they thanked God for me. When Casey come along, they're like, give us Kelly back. Give us Kelly. No, it was like. But there were times I had to discipline them. During that, was it because I didn't love them? No, it's because I want them to learn how to respond in different situations to different people. It's because I don't want them running out in front of, the, of a car in the road. I don't want them re reaching up there and, and burning their hand on the stove. So I'm telling you, the presence of suffering is not necessarily the evidence of a lack of love. A lot of times it is because of real love was in place. Have you ever asked the question or maybe run run? Had it run through your head or heard somebody ask this question? Well, well why, does, why do bad things happen to good people? Yeah. Here, here's something you, you, you're probably not going to like. And if you're, if you're new here, just try to get through this with me. According to the Bible, nobody in this room is good. Nobody. Nobody in this room would go, well, some of you are fighting back. Okay, I have to disagree, Mr. Pastor. I'm a good person. I've got a good heart. Well, let's see what the prophet Jeremiah said about your good heart. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who knows how bad it is? Well, PK, that's not my heart. I don't know who he's talking about, but it's not. Well, then you're a saint, and bless you. And we should build a memorial to you. Because I don't know about you, but my heart has caused me to do some bad things. My heart has caused me to say some things that never should have been said, do some things that I never should have done, hurt people that I never should have hurt, think thoughts that I never should have thought. If you knew some of the thoughts that are running through my mind, you'd be like, let's find another church. My heart has caused me to do those things. I mean, I'm being very real and honest with you. Paul said this in Romans 3.23. All have sinned and fall short of God's glory. Another version says it like this. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Who does Paul say has sinned and fall short? All. 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 So instead of asking, why do bad things happen to good people? Maybe a better question for us to ask is, why do good things happen to us at all? Because I, I am not, I don't deserve when the good things happen to me. So why does good things, because here's, here's the truth, guys. Only once did something bad happen to someone good, and he volunteered for it. We just celebrated it. We just celebrated the, one, the only one that was good, who had no sin, who was, lived a perfect life, and he signed up and volunteered to suffer for us. 
And then in that separation, but feeling that separation between him and God, what does he do on the cross? He asks a question. My God, my God, why have you deserted me? Why have you abandoned me? Where are you, God? I've been obedient in every way. I've lived for you. I've loved you. Yet right now, I feel so alone. Jesus did that for us, for you, for me. Betrayed by his closest friends. Rejected by his own people. Exchanged his wholeness for our brokenness. Exchanged his purity for our sin. He exchanged his intimacy with the Father for our distance from the Father. And have you ever thought about what it must have been like from God's vantage point? God looking and watching his one and only son go through more suffering than we could ever even imagine. Why? Why would God allow suffering pain? I mean, it's, we can direct all the whys, but the thing is there's not a singular one answer for them. Well, why, why, why are you going through what you're going through? Why, why didn't or why doesn't God just step into your situation and fix it? Why didn't God stop this from happening? Why won't God just take this away from me? And I'm going to be very honest. I, I really don't have the answers to those whys. But I can tell you what the answer is not. It's not because he doesn't care for you or doesn't love you. Because he loves you and cares for you more than life itself. John 3.16 tells us exactly. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. So that whoever believes in him should not perish. But have eternal life. See love isn't something God does. Love is who he is. He's love. God loves you so much that he took your suffering, took your pain so seriously that he was willing to let his son take it all upon himself. Why would he do that? Because he knew that though this was going to be painful, though there was going to be much suffering involved, something greater, something better was on the other side of it. See, I'm convinced he knows this. You can't have a resurrection without a death. There can't be a healing without a hurt. You can't have victory without overcoming a loss and finding that victory. You can't know the value of light until you've been in darkness and come out of it. The Bible never promises, promises us that we will not go through pain, that we won't have suffering, that, that life will never hurt. The Bible doesn't say you'll never experience unfairness in this world or betrayal. But what the Bible does promise is that for those of us that take our free will and choose to surrender our lives to him and love him, that no matter what we face, he will be right there with us, walking us through it all. Through it all. Man, when I was going over this this morning, my office, a, a, an old song, man, by Andre Crouch just came to my mind, man. He was like the godfather of gospel to me. I love that man. But he, this song, it just hit me where he said this, I've had many tears and sorrows. I've had questions for tomorrow. There's been times I didn't know right from wrong. But in every situation, God gave me blessed consolation that my trials come to only make me strong. And then he says, through it all, through it all, 
I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God through it all. Through it all, I've learned to depend upon his word. Through all of what? Through all the pain, through all the suffering, through all the questions. God's promise to us is maybe you want, you, you might not ever understand it all, but I will be there with you through it all. See, yeah, yeah, Revelation 21.4 tells us, hey, of a day that's going to be coming when he will wipe every tear from our eyes, when there will be no pain, there will be no more suffering, there'll be no more sickness, there'll be no more loss, no more addiction, no more cancer, no more divorce, no more depression, no more abuse, no more crying yourself to sleep, no more sin. That day is coming, but it's not here yet. Why is there pain? Why is there suffering? Guys, it doesn't take much to look around because we are in a very broken world. A world where God loved us enough to give us free will. And with that free will, some choose love and some choose hate and evil. See, I, I, I was thinking about this and I was thinking about the people in our body and and, and the whys that Denise and I have even walked through. And I think about all the whys that other people in our church have walked through. I think of the mom and dad that prayed for their baby to be born healthy. But was born stillborn. I think of the mom and the family that prayed for, for, for the daughter to... to to God to heal the heart issues that were going on. And they had this church, other churches, everybody praying. But yet, she died. I think of the man that came to me last week after church, broken, telling me about two friends of his that the two weeks previously had committed suicide. I think of watching one of the best and godliest men I ever knew, my dad, pray and believe for healing from cancer. And this church and other churches believing we were going to see him rise up off that bed, yet he died from brain cancer. I think of the wife in this church that last year lost her husband to COVID. I think of the husband and wife that moved here just to be close to family, close to her family, and they get up here. And then a couple months into them finally getting up here, she passes away to COVID. I think of the couple that had been married for 30 plus years. And one of them walks out on the marriage, leaving the spouse and their grown children confused and hurt about what's going on. I think of those in this body that have lived a good life, have tried to live a healthy life, but then have gotten the cancer diagnosis. I think of the men, the women that finally decided, I'm going to get clean. I'm going to get my act together. Man, I'm going to do right. I'm going to do good. And they try everything. They, they do everything, but it seems like everything is stacked against them. And they got, why? I'm finally trying, God. Why? Why? I think of these things 
And I see the people, I know, I can see the whys on their face and I can hear it in their voice. And the truth is, man, I don't have the answers. Maybe one day we'll see, but more than likely, we'll never know the answer to the whys. Can I tell you that is why your foundation in God and the Word is pivotal in your walk with Christ. You can't go on your emotions. You cannot go on your feelings. Your emotions, your feelings will lie to you. That's why you've got to have, be grounded in his word, what he says, and who he is. Because when life does throw you the wise in life, it, things don't seem fair. It can be easy to throw your hands up in there and say, God, don't you even care? God, don't you even see what's going on down here? Where are you, God? That's one of the reasons I love the Bible and how transparent it is with the, with the men and women, our heroes in the faith. God doesn't try to paint them as these perfect people that never had problems, never had questions, never got angry with him. In fact, it's the opposite. If it was me writing the Bible and I were trying to give people others to look up to, I would delete all the bad stuff and let's just get right to the good parts. It's like God says, no, you need to see these people had questions too. These people face suffering too. It's like Asaph in Psalm 73. He sees all the suffering going on around him. And he says, God, don't you even know what's going on down here? Have I been trying to do the right thing for nothing? Asaph is venting to God and asking God why. And then he says something in verses 16 and 17. This is not on the screen, but you can, you can look it up. He says this, when I tried to understand the why of it all, when I tried to comprehend it, why you were lying, it was too much for me, then he says this in verse 17, until I entered the sanctuary of God. Asaph is like, I was trying to bring some kind of meaning and purpose to why this was going on, why you were allowing it to happen. And it was making me angry because I was comparing my life to theirs. But something changed when I walked into the house of God. If I can get the team to come on up. Something changed when your presence, I got in your presence there was a switch that was flipped when I walked because I took all the focus off of all the questions, all the suffering, all the pain, and I began to focus on you. And he says, that's when this truth hit me, Psalm 73, 25. He says, I realize who have I in heaven but you? Earth has nothing I desire beside you Hey, my flesh, my heart, those things may fail. I may go through suffering. I may have pain. But I know this, God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. God is. I, I, I had all these questions. I was trying to understand. But then I came into his presence. I, I want to read that. For the passions, paraphrasing. But I want to start, start back at verse 23. Because Asaph makes a statement that just seals this for me. You know, leading up to this, Asaph is like, God, I was foolish and 
how I responded to this. And I was ignorant with my questions and the whys. Then I love this in verse 23. Yet in spite of all this, in spite of my questions, in spite of my anger, in spite of my hurt, in spite of all the evil that I saw going on, Spite that it seemed like you were distant. He said this, I still belong to you. Spite all my questions, I still belong to you. And he says, you hold me by my right hand. When I read that, it, it just gave me the picture of me and uh, walking with, with Juno or Sonny, and they want to grab my hand, and, and I'm leading them and leading them, and we're cross. But there are times when they want to get ahead of Papa, so they'll take off and try. And what do I do? I don't let go. I just kind of pull them back. And it's like Asaph was saying, you know what, God? You've got my right hand. And there have been times I've tried to get ahead of you. I've tried to go out in front of you, but you've been. No, I've got you. And you pulled me back. I still belong to you. You hold me by my right hand. You lead me with your wisdom. Following you brings me into your brightness and glory. And then he says, whom have I in heaven but you? God, you're all I want. There's no one on earth means as much to me as you. Lord, so many times I fail. I fall into disgrace. But when I trust in you, I have a strong and glorious presence protecting and anointing me. Forever, you are all I need. I don't understand it. Still have questions. Still hurts. But here's the thing, guys. When it comes down to it, we've got to come to the conclusion that Asaph came to. Who have I in heaven but you? You're all I want. I, it, it reminds me when Jesus was teaching one time, and it was a tough teaching. They couldn't understand the teaching. And so a lot of his followers began to walk away and leave him. And Jesus looks down at his disciples and said, are, are you going to leave also? And they're like, where are we going to go? You have the words of life in you. I mean, so there's Jesus, that teaching you just taught, I don't fully understand it. That's tough. But where am I going to go? Who have I in heaven but you? You're all I want. You're all that I need. So whether I understand or not, the point is this. Whether I'm broken, whether I'm whole, I'm going to sing your praise. I'm going to stay right here with you in your presence. Whether you say yes, no, or wait to my questions, I'm going to still stay and find your presence and get there. And when I find... find my mind drifting. I find confusion setting in and pain and hurt. I start trying to understand this. This is what I gotta say. I'm gonna sing till my heart starts changing. I'm gonna worship till I mean every word. 
Because the way I feel and the fear I'm facing doesn't change who you are or what you deserve. I give you my worship. You still deserve it. You're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy of my song. I pour out your praises and blessing and breaking. You're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy of my song. in heaven but you go ahead and stand across this room and the crowd besides I have no doubt there are people hurting there are people with questions there are people that are suffering you're asking you, you may not know why that spouse walked out the door or that parent walked out of your life And you may be asking your question, God, why did I have to endure this? Why did I have to suffer this? Why did I have to suffer this sexual abuse, this, this uh, mental, this physical, this verbal abuse? I didn't deserve this. God, why did I, why, why can't I get past this sickness? God, why can't I get past this depression? God, why can't I break this sin or this addiction off my life? you come to the conclusion whom have I in heaven but you you're all I want you're all I need God even if everything else falls away out of my life as long as I've got you so today if that's you you're hurting, you're suffering you've got questions you, you've got some whys in your life what I'm going to do I'm not going to give an altar call. I'm going to open this altar area up. And what I encourage you to do is to say, God, I don't understand. I'm kind of angry, but I'm just going to focus on you right now. I'm going to choose to put my focus on you. Whether I feel like it or not, I'm going to praise. Whether I see anything happening or changing, I'm going to worship because the bottom line is this, you're worthy of my praise. So I'm going to open up this altar. You want to come up and worship through it, worship through the questions, worship through the suffering, worship through some of your pain, and see what God can do in the midst of that? This is your time. And I know God is speaking to some of you right now. I know he's dealing with you. And you just got to say this, I'm going to sing. I'm going to sing till my heart starts changing. Oh, I'm going to worship till I mean every word. Because the way I feel and the fear I'm facing doesn't change who you are or what you deserve. Come on, say this. I give you my worship. 